And church, if you're uh, staying here, if you take your copy of God's Word and turn to uh, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19. Uh, we'll, over the next several uh, weeks, Lord willing, um, we are going to be uh, doing a study uh, on the doctrine of, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we're going to be looking at t- tonight uh, the divinity of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at uh, who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, uh, and then we'll talk about some specific issues as, as kind, of, kind of have been issues throughout the, the ages of the church, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll talk about the spiritual gifts, the speaking in tongues, as time goes uh, on. Uh, so we're going to be in Acts uh, chapter 19. Let me just read um, the, the first two verses and then I'll pray. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that as we dive into your word and just think about doctrine, that our minds and our hearts would not be uh, closed off on thinking about uh, deep things, but that we would be stirred, that we'd be moved, we'd be reminded, and we would be equipped, God, the things that we learn tonight about the Holy Spirit, about who he is and what he has done. We pray, oh God, that you would uh, equip us to be able to, to share this, share this with our children, share it with our our co-workers share it with our neighbors. God, help us believe um, that the Holy Spirit is divine. We pray, God, that you would uh, teach us, instruct us by your Spirit so that we can discern spiritual things. We pray this in the matchless name of our crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we, we start here in Acts 19, and, and really I start here in Acts 19 because what happened in, at the, the saints at Ephesus is very similar to how many people think about the Holy Spirit uh, today. Uh, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There they found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Uh, Now, if we think about the the Holy Spirit in in general, uh, many of us, when we were asked to explain who the Holy Spirit is, would have a hard time explaining it. Uh, most uh, Baptists would, would go talk about Jesus and be able to ex- explain who Jesus is, that he lived, that he died, that he, that he rose again. We'd be able to talk about the Father and, and the Father's providential care over, over the world. But when it starts getting to talk about the Holy Spirit, we, we get a whole lot less confident in terms of how the Holy Spirit is, is moving and who is uh, the Holy Spirit and where in the scriptures would I find the Holy Spirit. You know, I've discipled lots of uh, young men going into the ministry, and one of the questions I usually always ask them is, okay, in you know, if you were going to teach me the doctrine of Christ, where would you go? And I've, I've asked this to, to seminary students, and I've asked this to people who are pursuing the pastorate. You'd be surprised on how many look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. No, just if I wanted to learn about Jesus, who, where would you go? And they would say, well, I would maybe go to the Gospels. I said, that, that's right. You can learn about Jesus from the Gospels, about his life. But there's several passages that most theologians have said. These are the passages of, of, that we can learn about who Jesus Christ is. It's John chapter 1. It's Colossians chapter 1. It's Hebrews chapter 1. Right? Those three can give us a good picture about the divinity and the, the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe 
Philippians chapter 2 about his, his death and his, his, his resurrection. Well, when I ask you the same question about how would you explain who the Holy Spirit is, where would you go in the scriptures? Beloved, our, our, our goal as Christians, if we're living the life of faith, should be be able to explain who our God is from the pages of the Bible. Uh, not, we're not just listening and, and absorbing what is being taught to us by our, our pastors. We want to learn and we want to absorb what is being taught by our pastors, but we want to be able to say, okay, I want to take it, and I want to be able to instruct it to somebody else. And so often, you know, my fear is that we get taught a lot, we receive a lot, but we don't take it and then apply it and be able to teach others also. So I, I just pray that, that over this, this series that you would learn more about who the Holy Spirit is and then you'd be able to instruct others on who he is as well. So the question maybe to start is why don't we talk about the, the Holy Spirit? Well, I think one of the reasons why we don't talk about the Holy Spirit is that we don't know about the Holy Spirit. We're, we're like maybe these disciples in Ephesus. We lack knowledge of how to explain who he is and therefore we, if we, anything that we lack knowledge about we tend not to talk about, right? Um, I do not talk about chords and keys when it comes to music. I talk about the band's name and the songs I like because I don't know all the details of, of music, right? That's not my specialty. And because I don't know about it, I can't really talk about it. Well, one of the reasons why we don't talk about the Holy Spirit is that we ourselves as Christians even don't know who he is. Uh, I think also is that we're just con we're confused. Well, you know, our, our society in general is confused and the larger evangelical world is just confused when we think about uh, the Holy Spirit and, and how the Holy Spirit is, is displayed uh, in the life of the church. How does the Holy Spirit move? How does the Holy Spirit work? Um, and I think largely, if you look at the world, not just in America, I would say in America for sure, um, charismatic movements, um, prosperity gospel movements, uh, both here and abroad especially, have a confusing ways of the way they speak of the Holy Spirit. I think one of the ways that we would just probably have to affirm that one of the reasons why we don't talk about the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit would probably refer, refer us to talk about the Lord Jesus. <laughs> because even his life, part of his, his ministry is to shine a light on the, on the Lord Jesus and to defer away from uh, himself. So uh, today what I want to do is I just want to make the argument that the Holy Spirit is God, right? That the Holy Spirit is God. That by giving you some tools from the scriptures, and we're going to walk through lots of different scriptures. You guys can take notes, and if you want these notes, I'm happy to, uh, to send them to you later. Just shoot me a text or, a, or an email. Um, one, uh, first, let's look at the names of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit goes by many names in, in, in the scriptures, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth, of holiness, the spirit of life, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of faith, of, of grace, of glory, uh, the comforter, the advocate, uh, the Spirit of, of Christ, the Spirit of the Son, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so you look and you read from the pages of Genesis all the way to Revelation, the Holy Spirit reveals himself in many different ways, in many different names. We, we know about the different names of God, Jehovah, Jireh, you know, God has, has provided, you know. Um, there's lots of different names that we learn about who God is. He's revealing what he's done, and this is the same way for the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the most prominent way we learn of the Holy Spirit is he's called the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is used 60 times in the Old uh, Testament. Uh, the, the, the title, the Holy Spirit, is only used three times. It's used in Psalm 51.11 and Isaiah 63.10 and 11. So the, the, the primary ways in the Old Testament that the, that the Lord is, the Holy Spirit is being, is used, is the Spirit of God 
And in the New Testament, right, the Holy Spirit is used 94 times. So when we say the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, we mean the same Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of, of God. So how do we know that the Holy Spirit is God? How do we know he is the third person of the Trinity? Uh, well, one, we, we do it by his name. So if you turn in your, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5. Uh, if there are certain passages that I'm going to reference tonight, these are passages, if someone asks you, so if you go on the car ride home tonight and you as good parents are going to say, what did you learn in class? What were you taught, right? Well, you may want to say, this is what I learned, okay? This is what I was taught tonight. So in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and and brought only a part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after you sold it, was it not in your own disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Didn't say, the second time, didn't say you did not lie to the Holy Spirit. It says you lied to God. So you see that it was referred to you lied to the Holy Spirit in, in the first sentence, and then in the end sentence it says you lied to God, clearly saying that this is, um, you lied to God, that God is the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, don't turn there, but it says that the Holy Spirit says, so the author of Hebrews uh, says the Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes Psalm 95, implying that the Holy Spirit was the one who wrote the Word of God, who wrote Psalm 95. So all throughout the pages of, of the Old and New Testament, you see that the Holy Spirit is referred to as God. Even in the Old Testament, when you think about 60 times, it says that it's, the, it's the Spirit of God. Now, it's not, the Holy Spirit is not um, the, only the Spirit of the Father and the Spirit of the Son. The Father, Son, and Spirit exist in, um, in co-equality. They are, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is not either. And yet they all are the one God, three persons of the divine trinity. So besides the names of God, we have to think about how do we know he's God? Well, how does the Bible speak about God? There's certain characteristics, there's certain attributes that the Bible attests to God, both God the Father, both God the Son, and God the, the Holy Spirit. So these, here's a few ways that the Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit. Number one, his omniscience. His omniscience, meaning that God knows everything, right? And this is specifically saying the Holy Spirit knows everything. So in, in Isaiah 40, 13, who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows his counsel? In 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11, but it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now when you read your, your Bibles, the, the, your English translations are, are, are trustworthy, and you can see in most cases when the Holy Spirit is being referenced, the Spirit is capitalized. When your own personal Spirit is being referenced, it's, it's a lowercase s. So just pay attention to that when you read uh, the scriptures. But one, we know that God is all-knowing. 
Number two, we know that God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. So in Luke, we can see this in Luke chapter 1, speaking of Mary. He says, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be uh, born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month who, with her who is called barren. For nothing is, will be impossible with God. The implication is, is that the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. Therefore, all is powerful with God. Who is God? God is the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, number three, God is eternal. God has existed from eternity. So in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. So there's several verses that I'm going to reference, but I would say Acts chapter 5, uh, 1 through 4 would be key passages, and then Genesis chapter 1 and 2 would also be key texts to help you show the divinity and the eternality of the Holy Spirit. So the first pages of the Bible, we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we, we, we just read in, in, in John uh, chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, in the beginning was the Spirit, and the Spirit was with God, and the Spirit was God. We see that in the earliest pages of the Bible. Well, we also see that God has foreknowledge, that God knows what's going to happen in the future. Uh, and we, we see this in Acts 1.16. Brothers, the Scripture has to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So all I'm trying to say is that if there's attributes that are attributed only to God, the Father, and only to God, the Son, and they're also attributed to God, the Holy Spirit, that we can have confidence that the Holy Spirit is God. It's the same thing we can see in 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 through 12. I won't read it, but it just shows that he has foreknowledge. We also know that he, the Holy Spirit is good. Now, no one is good but God alone. Jesus said that uh, to the rich young ruler. In Psalm 143, 10 through 11, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on your unlevel ground. For your namesake, O Lord, preserve my life, and your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. So the Holy Spirit is good like God. The Holy Spirit is defined as love. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. You know, when anytime you open the page of the, of the Bible, there's certain places that you see all three um, uh, persons of the Godhead, right? That's a verse we just read, right? It, it, Romans 15, 13. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me to prayers to God on my behalf. You don't use language like that, putting them all equal in the same, in the same sentence and using them co in... in uh, interacting together without them being equal. Uh, truth, John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither has seen him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. And then infinity, God is infinite. So in John three thirty four, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God for he gives the spirit without measure. Now, there is no end to the Holy Spirit. There is no end to God. So all I'm trying to say is that the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. Uh, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit is, is not Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He is God. We can also see this, and like I said before, in how the, the Holy Spirit relates to the Father and to the Son. 
I think he does this in really three distinct passages. So if you're going to, you know, I gave you lots of things. And again, I can send you your notes if you want to you remember these. Uh, but Acts chapter 5 very clearly says that, God, that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2, that the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. Uh, and then I would, I would go in this passage, Galatians 4 through 7. It says this thing about how the, whole, how the God had works together for salvation. So in Galatians, let's actually go there. I want you to read it with your own eyes and your own Bibles. Uh, Galatians um, five, uh, chapter 4. I don't know if you do this. Do you guys ever do any memorization? But when I do memorization, I memorize things based on the Bibles that I use, right? So I, I try to memorize the Bible in certain, in certain particular Bibles, and I use the ESV. So when I'm trying to memorize it, I actually picture the Bible in my... In, when I, I don't know why I'm, what I'm saying. What I'm trying to get at is look at your own Bible. These are your Bibles, so I want you to remember, remember how the page looks and how it feels, right? So in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, God's word says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father for you're no longer a slave but a son and if you're a son then an heir through god this is when we think about the application of the holy spirit what the holy spirit does we'll think more about how the holy spirit is the one who adopts us into the family of god but what you see here our salvation is tied up in the father and the son and the spirit they all work together to bring us salvation right so if you think that the holy spirit is not god you do not understand the salvation that God has offered you in the scriptures. Uh, the next thing I, I would show, point out to you is, I won't read this, but this is just one to remember, is that when we look at the New Testament, look at the Old Testament, you don't see a lot of direct references to the Trinity. And we believe in the, a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. The word Trinity is not found in the pages of the Bible, but the concept, the idea of the Trinity is woven in uh, the Bible. And we, we see that in several different places. In, in, in Jesus' baptism, in Mark chapter 1, in those days Jesus came from, the Na- from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens open, uh, being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, not a dove, like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, the Father, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So at the baptism of Jesus, when Jesus is inaugurated, even as we saw this past Sunday, when the Holy Spirit said, or the Father said to John, whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, right? That is one who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And even at the beginning of John's ministry to the end of John's ministry, Jesus having the Spirit and then sending the Spirit is a crucial part showing us that he is the Son of God, that he is the divine Messiah. But we see that right there at his baptism. We see the the Spirit descending upon Jesus the Son and the voice from heaven the Father saying, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. It's interesting, we can see, this is just a side note, in in, in the baptism of Jesus, notice the first person there, or the the, the second person um, singular, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Uh, the Father was speaking directly to Jesus there, and everyone at the baptism was just there to witness. We get to the, the transfiguration when the second time the voice from heaven comes down. It says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Uh, God is primarily speaking to the disciples there, not speaking to Jesus because God, God had already spoken to him. The other place that we see the Trinity is mentioned is 
Matthew 28. So if you just want to turn there, Matthew 28. Um, this is the Great Commission. There, every gospel has their own commission. We call Matthew 28 the Great Commission because it's the first one given. And it's what people have come to call the Great Commission. So in Matthew 8, uh, 28, verses 19 and following. <clears throat> Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So our salvation, as we see in Galatians, this, this is the Father, Son, and Spirit work together to bring us as adopted sons and daughters into the family of faith. At, at the very commissioning of what we're called to do, we're called to go out and do the same. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit uh, work together in, in, excuse me, in baptism. So we see that uh, how the Father and the Son and the Spirit work together shows the divinity of the Holy Spirit. But we also see what the Holy Spirit has done. Maybe the, 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 a couple highlights is creation. I've already read Genesis 1 and 2, Genesis 1, uh, verse 2. Let me read Psalm uh, 104, uh, several verses there. So Psalm 104, verse 24, we read, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. So the, the earth is full of your creatures. And then a few verses later we read this. These all look to you to give them food in due season when you give it to them, when they gather it up, when you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their, their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. So the agent of creation, the, Holy, the Bible says that, that God may have be, be the, the providential uh, father over all, but the son is the creator, and the agent of creation is the Holy Spirit. We know that uh, the Holy Spirit inspired the word of God, so... Uh, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you're going to talk about the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, the inspiration of the Bible, why should I trust that the Bible is, is the Word of God? Well, one of the reasons why the Bible is the Word of God is because the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit wrote the Scriptures. So therefore, the, 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 word, is, the word of God is the Word of the Holy Spirit. Those things are connected. So if you lose the word, if you lose the, the Holy Spirit being God, we lose our salvation and we lose the word of God. This is not a small doctrine. Now I know that this is not a typical Wednesday night, it's the middle of the week, and I'm giving you lots of scripture and giving you lots of doctrine, right? Hang with me. Second um, Peter 1, verses 16 and following. For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we have made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This is speaking of the, the transfiguration. For when we received the honor and glory from the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed. Hear what he's saying here? He's saying, listen, we have seen Jesus transfixed before us on the Mount of Transfiguration. We heard a voice come from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And what you're holding in your hands, the Word of God, is even more sure than that. The Word of God is more sure than our experiences. And the Apostle Peter said, it's even more sure than what I saw on that mountain. He says, to which we will do well to pay attention to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture 
comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we can trust that the, that the, the, the word that we carry is God's word because the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who carried along men to write this good word for us. Uh, we can also see the Holy Spirit has the authority of God. So in, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1, it says that the Holy Spirit sent Jesus to the, uh, the wilderness. In Acts 13, we read that, uh, the, that the Holy Spirit sent or set apart Barnabas and Saul and sent them down uh, to Seleucia. So the Holy Spirit is the one who, who commands authority. All this to say is that I know that this, this seems redundant, right? You guys are Christians, and when you, when you join the church, you believe that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all God, right? It's, one of our, it's in our statement of faith. But can you, even after tonight, say, okay, how do you know that the Holy Spirit is God? Okay, so if I asked you at the door afterward, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, okay, in two minutes or less, convince me that the Holy Spirit is God. Not from your own ideas, but from the Holy Scriptures. Because when you're kids, when you're teenagers, are going to look at you and say, how do we know the Holy Spirit is God? Who is the Holy Spirit? You need to be able to answer them. And can you do it not from memory, not from some vague mystical idea that you, what you think the Holy Spirit is, but can you do it from the very words of Scripture? That's what we want. We have to believe that, that the Holy Spirit is God. One of the reasons why we end every service with a benediction is that we're, we're, we're asking God to, to bless us and I'm not sure if you noticed this, but we, we do a, a Trinitarian benediction at the end of every service. Uh, so if you go to 2 Corinthians 13, 14, we'll end here. 2 Corinthians 13, uh, 14. There's uh, lots of benedictions at the end of Paul's letters, and I think this one just kind of kept, kept, captures most of it. He says, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So what happens at the end of every single service, what I'm, what I'm asking God to do is I'm asking for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be with us. So that we would have the very presence of God. And how do we have the presence of God? We have the presence of God because God has sent his son to live and to die in our place on the cross, to be dead and buried, to be raised from the dead, to ascend into heaven. And because he ascended into heaven, what did Jesus say? Unless I go, right, I cannot send the comforter with you. Right? I cannot send the Holy Spirit. And, the, and, the, and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. So now we have the very presence of God dwelling with us all the time. So when Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, we know that's true because of the Holy Spirit that has sealed us into the day of redemption because he is God. So my, my prayer for you, beloved, is that you, over the next several weeks, you would understand more and more about who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, and that you would believe with all your heart from the pages of the Bible, from the Old and New Testament, that he is God. Father, we pray that you and your kindness would help us believe and know from the pages of Scripture that the Holy Spirit is God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.